Yeah, once again, if you are, um, if you're a guest, if you're just joining us today, if, if you are interested in eating dinner at someone's home with no strings attached at all, then um, please let, let me know or send an email to, uh, to me or to Kathy. Our names are actually in the bulletin, and we would love to get you connected. We're hosting one of those dinners. We'd love to have you at our house. Okay, we are back in our series on Proverbs that we've been going through this summer. And uh, with Proverbs, we're really taking, instead of kind of going, you know, verse by verse throughout uh, all of Proverbs, which, was take, which would take us about three years, uh, we're, we're taking it kind of in chunks and usually, usually built around topics. Today, we're going to talk about our hearts. We're going to talk about what it means for us, for wisdom to sink into our hearts. Remember how we, uh, how we introduced Proverbs a few weeks ago when we talked about the definition of wisdom being skill in the art of godly living. Well, that skill has to first be embraced by our hearts if we are going to truly be wise. So before we jump in, and in fact, you can have your Bible open, but we're gonna kind of bounce around to different scriptures throughout the sermon today. Before we get started, let me ask the Lord to do his work. Let's pray. Father, our hearts really do need to be softened by you, and you're the only one that can do it. So we ask, Lord, now that by the power of your Spirit, you would come and soften us, open our ears and our eyes, that we might hear your word, that we might respond to it, that you, Lord, might change us. Lord, we pray for that softening to happen even now, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me ask you this uh, question as we begin, what do you love What do you really love? What drives you in a lot of ways? Again, we could ask that question a different way in saying, what's your vision of the good life? What does it mean for you to really flourish? What's your conception of what it means for you to really be at your best? And I've got a clue for you. We all have that. We all have things that we love and things that our hearts cling to that drive us in everything that we do. We are loving beings. The question really for us is, are we loving the right thing? Is our vision of the good life going to cut it? Is it in line with God's vision? Uh, My father, like maybe some of you or some of your parents or people that you know, has had open heart surgery. He's fine now, but you know, anybody that's had a heart condition has to get checked up pretty regularly. And at one of his regular cardiologist visits, they found something really odd with my dad's heart. It was that it was beating out of rhythm. My dad has pretty bad rhythm to begin with, so that wasn't a big surprise to us. Uh, But, you know, for the doctors, they want your heart beating the way that it's supposed to beat so that it pumps the blood through your body the way that it's supposed to work. So here's what they did. It was fascinating to me. They rebooted my father. They literally uh, gave him an anesthetic and then hooked him up to some electronic devices and they shocked the mess out of him and it rebooted his heart, like turning off and on a computer and everything was fine. Once they turned him off and back on again, his heart was beating the right way. It was back in the right rhythm. It was back according to the way that his body's supposed to work. Again, our hearts are supposed to beat to a particular rhythm. If we are Christians, we are actually called for that rhythm to align with the rhythm that God lays out, the vision for the good life that God actually gives us. And we are called to align our hearts with his. 
The problem is sometimes we're out of rhythm, aren't we? And so we oftentimes need a rebooting. I think Proverbs actually gives us that this morning. We get to see throughout Proverbs the importance, the deep importance of our hearts and what they do for us and how we might align them even then with God's purposes. We're going to look at it three ways. We'll first look at the power of the heart, the heart's power and the way that it actually drives us. Then we'll look at uh, our ability actually to direct our own hearts. So the directing of the heart, the power of the heart, then the directing of the heart, and then the owner of the heart, the heart's owner. It's that we need God actually to direct us. So let's look at that first one together, the power of the heart. Let me read you a few scriptures. They'll come up on the screen here as well. Here's Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Let them keep, the, or keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Jesus actually says something similar in Luke 6. Listen to what Jesus says. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Do you hear how both Proverbs and Jesus are proclaiming the power of the heart to direct all that we do? From our hearts flow a spring of water that actually drives all of us. And Jesus says that the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The word heart that's used in Proverbs, which by the way shows up about 75, 77 times, something like that in Proverbs, uh, is really a wonderful word. In Hebrew thought, in conception, the heart was really the inner man. That was kind of the seat of both emotion and intellect and will. So a lot of the things that we kind of divide up are all held together in this idea of the heart. It was the compass that drives you. It's the thing that actually moves you in the direction that you're called to go. That's what the heart is. And I love the way Proverbs actually speaks of it as a spring of living water that swells up within you. That should resonate with us in New Braunfels, Texas, because we are literally sitting on a spring, aren't we? I mean, I love the Comal River. I love sitting in the Comal River. I love the way it feels. I love the way it looks. But I'm also just fascinated with it. Because did you know, it's, I'm sure you know this, it's the shortest river in the United States. The river that's in our town, the Kamau River, that's completely within the city of New Braunfels, only two and a half miles, shortest navigable river in the United States. But this little tiny river used to power mills and plants. It used to provide hydroelectric power for the city. They could run the city off of this teeny tiny river, the smallest navigable river in the country. Do you know why? It's because it's fed by the most productive spring in the Southwest. We are sitting on actually uh, the most underground water coming out of the ground in anywhere in Texas. That's in New Braunfels. There is so much water coming out of the ground that it literally powers this tiny little river so much that you can run a whole city off of its power. That's what Proverbs says our hearts are like. That our hearts are like the spring that powers the river. 
Our hearts are the thing that drives all of who we are. As our hearts are directed, so are our lives directed. This book, Jamie Smith, uh, James K.A. Smith, his, he goes by Jamie, but you have to have a lot of initials if you want to get published, so it's James K.A. Smith in the book, uh, is really a fabulous example of this. Uh, it's called You Are What You Love. Highly recommended to all of you. I want you to listen to what he says about our hearts and particularly the connection between our heart and this understanding and vision of the good life that we have. It's on the screen above me so you can follow along. So again, it's a question not of whether you long for some vision of the good life, but of which vision you long for. This is true for any human being. It is a structural feature of human creatureliness. You can't not love It's why the heart is the seat and the fulcrum of the human person, the engine that drives our existence. We are lovers first and foremost. We might say that the human heart is part compass and part internal guidance system. The heart is like a multifunctional device, a desire device that's part engine and part homing beacon, operating under the hood of our consciousness, so to speak, our default autopilot. The longing of the heart both points us in the direction of the good life and propels us toward it. There is a resonance between the telos to which we are oriented and the longings and the desires that propel us in that direction. Like the magnetic power of the pole working on the existential needle of your heart, you are what you love because you live toward what you want. I think he nails it. Our hearts drive us. Our hearts direct us. But here's what's really important. If we are what we love, if we are driven toward what we want, if we are directed toward what we desire in life, then it matters what we desire. It matters what we love, doesn't it? Because it's going to direct all that we do. And if our loves are different than what God loves, if our conception of the good life is contrary to His, then our lives will actually never come into conformity to what he desires of us. You know, if what we love the most is our own leisure, if our vision of the good life is me at my most leisurely time, then it's gonna really be hard for us to come into contact with God's vision that's a little different than that. You're telling me I gotta give up a quarter of my weekend to go to church? I mean, that's my time on the river or the lake or the golf course. You're telling me that God's desire is for me to work in my vocation in a way that actually accomplishes his mission in the world? I thought I was just working for the weekend. See, if that's our understanding of the good life, it's going to be hard for us to actually take on what it looks like to be the people of God. Or if our understanding of the good life, if what we really ultimately love is our own individual freedom or independence, then it's going to be really hard for us when God tells us to lay down our lives for others or to use our freedom not for ourselves, but actually for the sake of those around us. You're telling me God wants to put constraints on my life? You're telling me God actually wants me to use my freedom to care for others? You're telling me that my choices depend on what other people might desire? That's going to be hard for us. But friends, our hearts direct us. There is power in our hearts, and we're called to conform them 
to God's vision of our lives. Which is a segue into point two. Even though our hearts have power, even though they direct all of our lives, guess what? This is wonderful. We are actually called to direct our hearts. We do actually have the ability and the calling to direct our hearts. Listen again to that verse that we read from Proverbs 4. We focus more on the second half of it. Listen to the first half of it. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And Proverbs is full of this. Actually, here's some more. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. And then Jesus actually says something similar. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And listen to this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, I got to be honest. Like, I expect Jesus to say just the opposite. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. But Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What he's saying is that though even our hearts direct us, that what we do actually shapes and directs our hearts. Not only does our heart direct our actions, but our actions actually shape our hearts. This is actually one of our core values at this church. We usually talk about it in terms of our worship service, but we say it like this, is that we want our worship to be both expressive and formative. But it actually has more to do with with all of our life than just worship. Expressive and formative. We want to express what is in our hearts. We want God to well up. We want the desire and the love of God to well up in our hearts so that it pours out of our mouths and our bodies. But also, friends, what we do changes our hearts. For instance, we gathered this morning and we sang this wonderful song, All Creatures of Our God and King. Now what we want to be happening is that we want the creatures of our God and King, you and I, to be bursting forth in praise, to be singing hallelujah because our God is majestic and powerful and holy and righteous and just and loving and merciful. So what we what comes out of our hearts, we want to, excuse me, what comes out of our mouths, we want to start in our hearts. But here's what is also true, is that when we put good content on our lips, when we go about the process and the practice of doing the things that shape our hearts, guess what happens? Our hearts get shaped. So when we sing those words, we are actually trusting that God is making us believe more of his holiness and justice and might and majesty and love and grace and mercy. When we pray together to confess our sins, what we want to be happening is that we want our hearts to be pouring out of our mouths. We want real humility to be in our hearts. We want real honesty to be in our lives. And so we're going to confess those things together to the Lord. We want our hearts to be coming out of our mouths. But we also want those words to form our hearts. And we believe that when we say good things together, when we go about the practice of confession, 
that we're actually building humility into our hearts, that we're building into our hearts and forming and shaping them to be more humble, more honest. When we hear those wonderful words of good news, of forgiveness, we get to proclaim what is in our hearts that God has loved us with an everlasting love. But you know what? We also get to teach our hearts when they don't believe that God loves us with an everlasting love. When we come to his word, we desire to be fed by it. We desire to learn, but we also are formed to be those who desire it more. And when we come to his table, we proclaim the incredible story that we hold in our hearts that God has given us himself and he has abundantly provided for us. But we also get to form our hearts into that wonderful truth. Expressive and formative. Our hearts have the power to drive us. But friends, we are also called to direct and form and shape and guard our hearts. All right, here's the third thing then. It's the owner of the heart. Because uh, even recognizing the power that our hearts have on our lives and recognizing the calling that we have to guide and direct them, it's also helpful to recognize we're not always that good at guiding and directing our own hearts, are we? We need someone else to come in and do that for us. I love the analogy that uh, the, the pastor and theologian, 17th century theologian John Owen gives of a castle. Think, think about a castle, okay? In the, in, the most, uh, in the craziest form of a castle you want to think of in your, in your head. You've got these deep moats. We'll put alligators in them even. Uh, you've got high walls and towers with three-foot thick bricks. I mean, it's an impenetrable fortress, Towers so high and walls so thick that no army could come in and get inside, right? Unless, of course, the danger is inside. Because if there's treason in the castle, it doesn't matter how high the walls are. It doesn't matter how deep the moat is. Because the danger is already inside. That's the truth that the Bible proclaims about our own hearts. Is that the danger is actually inside Listen to these verses. Proverbs 17, 3, the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests hearts. That's his job. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, actually we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And then again from Jesus in John 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is actually probably quoting Uh, Proverbs 4.23 that we read earlier. And Jesus is saying that actually when he goes to work, out of our hearts flow rivers of of flowing water, of new life. This idea actually of our eyes, uh, our eyes being healed uh, is really helpful to remember because oftentimes, again, this vision of the good life that we've kind of conjured for ourselves is not such a good life. 
I was reading the other day about the, uh, the musician Graham Nash. He's the Nash in Crosby, Stills, and Nash, the 70s band. And he had written a memoir. And it was really fascinating to hear him talk about this. Because he said after he finished writing the memoir, he realized something. Is that all of the places in his life that he thought were the happiest ended up not actually being the happiest. When he looked back on his life and he kind of wrote his own story, what he realized is that the high points that he thought he was experiencing at the time weren't really the high points. Our vision for the good life, our vision for what it means for us to flourish is not very clear. We actually need the Lord to come in and clarify that vision for us. And friends, here is the wonderful news is that is exactly what Jesus has come to do. We hear in the Old Testament that when the Messiah comes, that he will actually change hearts, that he will take out the hearts of stone that are inside God's people and he will replace them with hearts of flesh, that he will renew our hearts. That's what Jesus has promised to do in us. When we move our trust from ourselves to him, that's what he does for us. He takes that heart of stone and he replaces it with a heart of flesh. And guess what? When he does that, it's a spring of life. This new heart that he gives us actually drives what we do. Now, does that mean that we will always do things perfectly? Of course not. Does it mean that we will never develop different conceptions, uh, uh, anti-gospel conceptions of the good life? Of course it doesn't. But it does mean that God is at work in you. If you belong to Christ, he has given you a new heart. And that new heart is a spring of life that flows both in you and out of you. So really, the question for us, again, what are we clinging to? What do we love? What drives us? What captures our hearts? Let me encourage you this morning to have your heart captured by Jesus the one who has come to literally pour his heart out for you, to shed his blood, to forgive your sins, to go to work renewing you in ways that you could never imagine. Let your heart be captured by that love this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, capture our hearts. Let us see you more clearly today. Let us see the amazing love and forgiveness that you have shown, and Lord, let it change us that we might actually direct our hearts to love you more. Will you be at work in us as you have promised? Will you be at work in us, ridding us of sin, increasing in us even righteousness and holiness, sometimes even in ways that we can't even conceive of right now? Lord, show us what it looks like to follow you today. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen.